Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> as I was thinking about the song this morning, as I was considering what I wanted to say, I think one way that we can look at the song is to understand it from this point of view. When we, when we say, when it, the song says, you just call out my name, whose name are we really calling out? Uh, and you know, wherever I am, I'll come running to see you again. And so if we take the I am as the subject of the song, when you call out my name, imagine that's God. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit about God initially as a thing outside the self and anthropomorphize it a little bit, although that is not what we teach. But sometimes we can uh, find value in understanding it from that perspective. And so imagine for a moment that in the times when you feel down and troubled, what is there? What is there? There's always the opportunity to call out, to reach out, to understand and know that everything that exists, everything is God. And the name of God, I am that I am. Whatever we choose to utilize to express that name, it is rooted at the core of our hearts. And that ultimately, when we call out, we are calling to that which is within ourselves, within our hearts and within our minds, within our very beingness, because there is no aspect of our beingness that is not 100% pure divinity. And so in the same way that I can recognize and see, uh, you know, uh, Raphael or Joshua or William or Karen, Carol, Ross, anyone, as I see that I have a relationship with you, in the same way I recognize and know the infinite truth about you and about you, every single person who is watching online, I recognize the infinite truth and I have a relationship with you. And so in that respect, I have a relationship with God because I have a relationship with everything in my experience. And so I step back into this understanding of God as all there is, and that is where I'm beginning today. Charles Fillmore wrote this, we are all in our personality wearing the mask that conceals the real, the spiritual I am. We are all in our personality wearing the mask that conceals the real, the spiritual I am. What if we took those masks off and allowed ourselves to shine brightly as the thing, this thing itself, this magnificent light? this love. We have fundamental concepts that underpin the, the entire unity teaching. And, and, and I don't know that any of us spend enough time really considering these principles. I know that I don't. And you know, and, and I'm gonna talk about, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be on the bridge a little bit here, or be on the teeter-totter and talk a little bit about Science of Mind, talk a little bit about the unity uh, principle, because here's the thing. 
the fundamental principles of both science of mind, religious science, and unity are the same. Now, unity has distilled it down to essentially five basic principles that are published everywhere, and I'm gonna talk about the, the publication of these principles a little bit, and Science of Mind made it a little more complicated and decided it was going to be expressed in 10 core concepts. And I sometimes laugh at that because I think, I don't think there's a minister Science of Mind uh, in Science of Mind who can actually tell you what the 10 core concepts are off the top of their head. Because the funny thing is we call these our core concepts or we call these our basic principles, and yet we don't talk about them enough from up here, although everything is always around those things. So what I've decided I want to do is that I want to take these next five weeks and I want to talk about the five basic principles of unity. Because I don't want us to ever find ourselves in a place where we might have taken them for granted. Now, as I talk about these principles over these next few weeks, <clears throat> it's a reminder to each and every one of us. I would like this to be a, a reminder to each and every one of us that we put these principles to the test. That part of what we are here to do is to experiment with these principles and determine whether or not we believe them, whether or not we, they work for us. So this week, first things first, the title of today's message, first things first. I'm gonna talk about the very first principle. Now, <clears throat> there is a statement of principle that starts off, Charles Fillmore wrote it, he wrote, we believe. We believe, and I have, I have trouble with that, first of all. I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you believe. I know what I believe, and I know what we teach. So I'm going to take the liberty of replacing we believe with we teach, and then you get to decide what you would like to do with it. So Charles Fillmore wrote this as essentially the first principle. We teach God, the one and only omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent spirit mind. We teach God, the one and only omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent spirit mind. That's the word. Those are the words of Charles Fillmore. Now, these have been shifted and changed, and, you know, as, as the movement, as the unity movement, as a philosophy has evolved, and it is evolved and evolving at all times, Unity Worldwide Ministries has actually presented it in this way. There is only one presence and power, active as the universe and as my life, God the good. Essentially saying the same thing. And then Unity World Headquarters has even yet another bit of language that they use to express this first basic principle. God is all there is and present everywhere. This is the fourth force of love and wisdom that underlies all of existence. So what it is all saying is essentially this. I can distill it down into two words. God is. And there's a challenge. Because while I can distill it down into two words, God is, it still limits what God is. Language is a clumsy tool for expressing the infinite. In fact, language cannot adequately express the infinite. And I think that as much as, I, I always joke, I always like to say, as much as ministers like to talk, the more we talk, the more we limit. <sighs> There's uh, someone who I talked to recently, another minister in the movement, and said at some point she would like to get up and 
address her community and just get up and the message is going to be this. God. What more needs to be said? What more needs to be said? The moment we apply any language, we limit. We limit. And so that's why you start having all of these different expressions of this first principle. Now, in, my, in one of the classes I'm taking, we talked a lot about this first principle, and we decided that we were going to create our own language around how to describe it and how to present it. And what we were done, we were put into study groups, and my study group came up with this. God is present everywhere, constant and unchanging. God is present everywhere, constant and unchanging. And as I continue to accept this notion of what God is in my life and in my experience, I question even that statement. And I invite you to do the same thing. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What are the implications to adopting that idea as a personal belief? Because here's the question. We teach God, but what do you believe? And what are the implications around adopting a belief? Imagine for a moment that you adopted for yourself this idea. God is all there is and present everywhere. This is the force of love and wisdom that underlies all of existence. God is present everywhere, constant and unchanging. What are the implications around adopting that? What happens for you in your life, both your outer life and your inner life in adopting that? Now, I'm going to touch briefly on the second statement of principle. Just to say this, that if that is adopted as a belief, and that is what I have adopted as my belief, God is all there is, present everywhere, constant, unchanging. If God is all there is, and that means everything is God, everything, are there any exceptions to that? Because I think a lot of people would take exception to the notion of being able to state out loud, I am God. You are God. That's a hard thing for people to hear because we have been raised, we have been culturalized, we have been socialized into these ideas that God is something out there that is unreachable. But it's not. God is right here. I am that which is. You are that which is. We are. Everyone I encounter, every single person I encounter, by taking on this understanding that I am that which is, that God is all there is, I cannot help but then experience everyone I encounter as God. I see only the light when I understand that. I see only the light in every single individual I see and experience every single one, whether they are utilizing the power of the divine in constructive or destructive ways, all I choose to see is the light, and that is the power of changing my life for the better. These are practical tools that we teach within this philosophy to make our own personal lives better. Well, that's the very first one I think we need to adopt is to say, let us stop walking around thinking that there is something else. There is only one thing going on, one thing and one thing only, God. And that as I experience the world, 
I'm experiencing God in every face. In 2013, I took a uh, Caribbean cruise. And on this cruise, we went to, uh, you know, I mean, all the, all the cruise lines, they have, their own, they have their own islands in the Bahamas, right? So you do the cruise. And on the last day of our cruise was you go, we, went to the, uh, we went to Half Moon Key, which is the island that is owned by Holland America. I was on a Holland America ship that year. And we went to this island, and, you know, everybody um, gets off the cruise ship, and they go, and they have a lovely beach day. And, of course, the cruise line has all the food and, and all the beverages that you could possibly ever desire and you know then you have all these people out there drinking in, in the hot sun it's like oh no anyway so i was i was i was there and you know you have the opportunity to meet lots of new people when you're on a cruise and i befriended this guy on the very last day his name was alan and i remember this guy's name and i remember i can see his face so clearly, because here we are at the end of this entire week, and this guy, Alan, was out there, and he had gotten his lunch, and he was sitting by himself at this picnic table out on the island. And I went up, and I said, do you mind if I sit with you? And we ended, struck up a conversation, and he, boy, he had quite the story talking about how, how he had decided to come on this cruise because he wanted to put himself out there, that he suffered from extreme shyness that he had a real hard time interacting with people because he was so shy and that he had purposefully put himself in a very uncomfortable position by being on a cruise ship because he knew he was going to have to interact with people all the time. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise, but unless you're in your cabin, there's basically no place to go where you are not surrounded by people all the time. And he said, I just... And he said to me, and we talked a little bit, and I, I had mentioned to him, you know, that I was a New Thought minister, and he, he, was, he was very interested in that. And he said, well, how do you, how would you help somebody like me? And I just said, you know, the best way to get over your shyness, if that's what you choose to do, have a willingness to just say hello to people. Just say hello. There's nothing more that you need to do. Just say hello. And here's the thing, people will either respond or they won't. And if you can find yourself being okay, whether they respond or not, you're gonna find a space within yourself that is never lonely and can never experience shyness anymore. And I said, this is rooted in this understanding, going back to this basic principle. Everything that exists is God. And he was open to hearing this. Everything that exists is God, all of it. And so when you say hello to somebody, it is God saying hello to God. And it doesn't matter what their response is. Their response is their responsibility, not yours. So just be open to understanding the truth of your being. Remember who you are. I saw him, and I expressed to him in the best way I could in that brief time we spent together the understanding that all I could understand about him was that I saw within him the light of the world. You are the light of the world. This light, this infinite light, 
It is infinite because there is only one light. There is only one life. There is only God. So there can be no other light. You know, it's funny. We talk about these lights and these lights, and we talk about we're going to light all these candles, and great. But there's one light. That's it. And these are reflections of the one light. You are a reflection of the one light. We are each and every one of us reflections and expressions of this one light. There is one light, one life, God. There is a major implication rooted in that as well. Excuse me. That as we deepen into our understanding that there is only one light, the implication of that is there can only be pure equality in all expression. Because the wholeness of God is expressing everywhere at the same time, no matter what. It is fully expressing by means of me. It is fully expressing by means of you. And there can only be equality in that. And in that equality, an expression of equity. If God is all there is, there can be no isms. There can be no no phobias. When we truly accept that as our beingness, how can we understand anything outside the self as less than? We cannot. Because if we believe that something outside the self is less than, then we must accept for ourselves that we are less than, and I refuse to do that. You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. We can easily mistake the experiences of our life as primary in causation, but they are not. The experiences of our lives are only the effects. And so if we believe ourselves to be less than, then we will experience the reflection of less than in all the effects of the world. If we know who we are, that we are our inner beingness, our primary causation is our use of this infinite creative mind, then we experience life from that point of view. So today, I am calling on each and every one of us to root into this. Do not allow your experience of people and situations to inform your vision of God. Bring your understanding, bring your vision of God, bring your light to the experience and see how life changes. Now, I said I was going to be on the teeter-totter. little unity, a little science of mind. Ernest Holmes wrote this. The person who can throw himself with complete abandon into that limitless sea of receptivity, having cut loose from all apparent moorings, is the one who will always receive the greatest reward. Are you willing, do you have a willingness to cut loose from all the effects of our lives, thinking that they have any bearing on our beingness? Are you willing to let go, to cut loose of them, and throw yourself with complete abandon into that limitless sea of receptivity? Because I'll tell you, once you dive in, it's so awesome. What are you willing to throw yourself into? What are you willing to throw yourself into? You always have a friend. You always have a support system. You always have that magnificent power that is 100% supportive of your entire beingness. God is that friend. Winter, spring, summer, or fall, all you've got to do is call, and God is there. Because there is only one power. There is only one presence. There is only one source. God can never not be there. God can never not be there. God is present everywhere, constant and unchanging. Ain't it good to know that you've got a friend? Dive in this week to a deeper and greater understanding of God. Dive in. 
this week to that, to what God represents for you. What do you believe about God? What can God be in your life? Dive into that limitless sea of receptivity and go forth and prosper. Namaste. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.